There is so much blessing in teaching these kids because everything that they do just comes back on you as a person. What you speak into them, what you say to them, the truths of God's Word. I don't mind missing my life group every other month just to speak truth and life into these kids. I like coming to church because it's fun, unique opportunity to come closer to God. They always make sure to give us a lesson and teach us about God, but also still let us have some fun time to hang out with each other. Sometimes they bring donuts. I love donuts. Just working with kids, it's the, it's a very pivotal age and it, we want to make a difference in their lives. It's kind of the last chance for them to learn the basics, the Bible stories, before they move on to being a teenager. I like the teachers, how they word everything. Thank you for being my teacher and being a volunteer and just doing it. Thank you for coming and spending this time with us when you could be doing basically anything else and you choose to spend it with us crazy kids. It's just an amazing thing to watch these young people grow and it's a blessing to me to know that I had a very small part in their lives and they still come back to me from time to time and it makes my week when I get to talk to them and I love being a part of it. You just never know what kids are going to say. I'm glad I don't sleepwalk at my house because I have a fireplace and I can run into it. Oof. It's not difficult. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be a sixth grade Sunday school teacher. You just have to be willing to serve. You know the material, you know the direction you want to go, and you just start that way and, pop and, and go. It's mostly relationships uh, and just being there. Uh, it's a blessing. We have a lot of fun. Um, uh, you should try it. If you haven't ever thought about serving in our kids' ministries, I would ask you to pray about it because serving with these kids and for these kids just brings so much joy and it is so worth it. Will you serve? That's the question and I want to invite you to be open to what God might do through you in the lives of these children. It's not the Lord's will that any single child be lost, and that's the goal of our ministry here. I'm talking about our children's ministry. We don't want a single child to be lost. We want every single one to know Jesus Christ as Savior. We want them to learn what it is to follow Jesus. We want them to follow Christ their entire life and pass on their faith to their children and their children's children. That is lasting impact. We don't babysit children at First Woodway. We love them and teach them and help mentor them to become followers of Jesus. So we need lots of people who will be part of that. You see the, the card that's in your seat different ways in which you can be involved with Kingdom Kids. We're asking you to pray about it, especially those of you who don't have kids around the home anymore. What a gift that you could give to the young families who are bringing their children week by week to pour into their children and to give them, to hand on to them the faith that you have. So I want to ask you, 
to make a commitment. If you're interested, you can fill out this card. You can put it in the offering box in the back of the room. You can go to the Welcome Center. Barbara's going to be in the commons area here, right in front of that glass room over to my right. And you can talk to her if you might be interested in something uh, in children's ministry. And for those of you who are our guests, we are so glad. We're always delighted to have and make new friends. And so welcome to you. This morning's service is all moving in one direction. We're going to share communion this morning. We're going to together partake in the Lord's Supper. And so every song, every scripture, the message is all geared toward that one moment when Together, we will eat and drink and remember and take to heart what the Lord has done for us. And so let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's ask God to visit us this morning. It's a holy, holy time as we share in the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather as we are today to worship you, to bring glory to your name, to celebrate the goodness of our God, because you are a good and gracious God. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who poured out his life on the cross and who defeated death when he rose from the dead. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are present with us by your spirit. And we pray that you would work in each one of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would draw us out of ourselves and enable us to love you, to seek you, to encounter you this morning. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to begin with some hymns.
seated. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6. As I said, we're going to share the Lord's Supper this morning, and I wanted to turn back earlier in this gospel we've been studying to touch on just a profound passage here. John chapter 6, verse 53. It says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. I was, I suppose, just shy of my 20th birthday, and I was thinking thoughts no 20-year-old should be thinking. I was thinking about death. I wasn't afraid of death, but for some reason, it was much on my mind. I guess to be more accurate, I was thinking about my own mortality. What 20-year-old thinks like that? They think they're going to live forever. And honestly, most of the time, that's how I thought too. I'm going to live forever. But the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. In retrospect, I know it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't as if I was walking around with morbid thoughts about impending death. And I wasn't afraid of what was going to happen to me after death, though perhaps I should have. What I couldn't escape was this sense that whatever I was living for, all my aspirations, all my goals, let's suppose I reached them all. Let's suppose I attained everything I wished for. Let's suppose that. Then death comes and just sweeps it all away. It wasn't that I was afraid of death. It was that knowing that death is coming it made life seem so trivial, so empty, so lacking in meaning. If something can just be swept away, then what value is it? I mean, I could work to be successful in my career. So what in the end? So what? I could meet someone, fall in love, have a family. So what? I'll die, they'll die. What's the purpose of it all? Those are deep thoughts for a 20-year-old. But the Spirit of God was dealing with me, and that was, that was what drove me to Jesus Christ, this sense that life has no meaning if all we have is this life. Jesus, in these verses, talks about eternal life. He came to bring eternal life. With eternal life, you have meaning because everything that happens in this life has an ultimate purpose. There, there is a fulfillment that comes 
after death and yet a true fulfillment of everything in this life going way beyond anything that we experience in this life. There's a fruition. There's a, there's a completeness. That's what eternal life brings. It's everlasting life. But more than just everlasting, it's a divine kind of life. It's life in the presence of God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he says that we don't have this life apart from him. Nobody does. In fact, he actually puts it more graphically. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow, that's graphic. That's even offensive. What shocking language this is to talk about eating flesh and drinking blood. We don't always think of it as shocking because we're so used to it. We've read it so many times. But imagine yourself in first century Palestine. There you are sitting, listening to Jesus in the synagogue where he gave this teaching. And he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and saying there is no life in you apart from doing so. That is a shock. And yet, sometimes it requires a shocking statement to wake us up, to make us think more deeply about life. Jesus is talking about flesh and blood being separated because he's talking about his death. That's what happens at death. In particular, to speak of flesh and blood in this way speaks of violent death. And Jesus is pointing to the violent death he'll suffer at the cross. It's at the cross that he bears our sins. The curse of sin that should fall on us fell on Christ instead. And then he defeated death when he was raised from the tomb. And he lives forevermore in the power of eternal life. And he grants that life to those who eat his flesh and drink his blood, he says. And so he's pointing to the cross. That's the center of our faith. We all know that. That's why, that's why we have a symbol of the cross on the wall behind me. That's the symbol of the Christian faith, the cross. Not the cross apart from the resurrection, absolutely not. But the cross, because it's there that Christ atoned for our sins. And so Jesus says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. What does that mean? What really does that mean? Well, he gives us a clue earlier in this chapter. In fact, in verse 40, listen to what he says. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Do you see the parallel there from the passage we just read? He's saying everyone who looks to the Son looking to the Son as one with need, looking to Him to fulfill this deficit in their soul, looking to the Son and believing in Him, that person has eternal life. If you look to the Son and believe in Him, you have eternal life. Then over in the verse we just read, he says, 
that everyone who eats his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life. So what does he mean when he speaks of eating his flesh and drinking his blood? He means to look to the Son and believe. That's what he means. The great church father, Augustine, said, he who believes eats and drinks. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the kind of faith that puts us in connection with him. We look to him, we believe in him, we trust in him, we receive him. Because in John, believing and receiving are the same thing. I say that because in John chapter one, it says to all who received him, who believed on his name, received power to become children of God. You see, all who received him, and believed to receive Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. It all amounts to the same thing. And here Jesus tells us it is eating and drinking. He says at the end of the passage I read that everyone who feeds on me will live because of me. The whole thrust of this passage is this, that if you put your faith and trust in the one who sacrificed himself for you at Calvary, who gave up his flesh and had his blood spilled on Calvary, if you put your faith in him, you shall have eternal life and the life of God. And more than that, it's not just everlasting life, it's this intimate communion because you notice he says, you'll remain in me, I'll remain in you. So there's this intimate communion, this connection with Jesus Christ. That's the very heart of the gospel. Now, in the most important things of life, we can sometimes, well, we can sometimes lose touch with, with the deepest reality of it. So... We celebrate days. We celebrate birthdays just to let people know we care about them and we count them as a gift in our own life. That's why we give gifts. You're a gift to me. Here's a gift to you just as an expression of my love. Maybe more importantly, with anniversaries, you get married and how easy it is to forget, how easy it is to forget how precious your spouse is. And so we remind ourselves each year, we take time to, to think of our relationship, to talk about it, to celebrate it. And by celebrating it, we renew it. We all know how important it is to renew our marriage commitment and to, to, to you know, take it in again. When we observe the Lord's Supper, that's what we're doing. It's a renewing of a reality that we've already experienced. So we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and received eternal life. What does it mean to put your faith in Jesus Christ? It means to trust the one who was crucified for you. And when we put our trust in him, we receive life from him. We feed on Jesus. We eat his flesh. We drink his blood. And so there's this sharing of life. That's what we're doing this morning. Paul, the Apostle Paul, often spoke in 1 Corinthians 11 of the Lord's Supper as a kind of memorial meal. He says, this is something we do in remembrance 
And, and he says, in this way, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. John is here giving us language to think of the Lord's Supper in a slightly different but complementary way. That is, the Lord's Supper is a renewal of our awareness, a, a reappropriating a profound and important truth that we live through what Christ has done. So what I want to invite you to do this morning as we eat and as we drink, as we will in a few minutes, I want you to think about Christ giving over his body, spilling his blood, how that is your life. Think about what, what troubles you, the sins that trouble you, perhaps burden you, the anxieties, the fears, the discouragement, whatever problems there may be, anything that casts a gloom over your life, remember who was crucified for you. Put your trust in that. And as you do that, you eat and you drink, knowing that his life fills you and you have eternal life. This is a time, this is a time to to lay hold of that which we already possess in a whole new way. No one should walk out of here. No one should walk out of here without knowing that they've been forgiven, that their sins have been cleansed, that they have hope of eternal life, that no matter what you face, God is with you. We receive the Lord's Supper in that faith. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving your life for us. You gave over your body. Your blood was poured out. And we feed on you, Lord. We, we take into ourselves the gift that you have given. It's your sacrifice that gives us life, your death that gives us eternal life. We know that and we, we remember that. And as we eat and drink this morning, we do so, Lord, knowing you're present with us. And knowing, Lord, that as we, as we put our faith in you, we can experience afresh what it means to be saved, born again, forgiven, redeemed. Holy Spirit, across this room, work among your people, we pray. Amen. Still my soul redeemed.
the claim that I should die for my offense. I point him to that rugged rock where I found life at Christ's expense. See from his hands his feet the fountain flowing deep and wide Oh, hear it shout The victory, the blood of Jesus speaks for me Worthy is the Lamb, Lamb for sinners slain If you've not yet opened the package, this would be the time to do that. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. Means the blood of Jesus poured out, cries out for mercy, not vengeance. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. But as we've just read from the Gospel of John, it's even more than that. Jesus has given his life that we might have life, eternal life. And so we eat and we drink in hope this morning, hope of being with God forever, knowing that our salvation does not depend on us and on our righteousness, but on Christ who gave himself for us. Amen. Let us eat. and let us drink. Jesus said, my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. If you want true life, it is sustained 
by the Christ who gave himself on the cross. And if you put your faith in him, your whole trust in him, you will not be disappointed. We thank you, Lord, for how you have given your life for us. And we praise you as our Lord and as our Savior, and we desire to follow you. Thank you that we can follow you as a forgiven people and as a people with a future and a hope. And we can do this because of what you have done for us. Our faith is in you, not in ourselves. Our faith is in you. And we love you. Thank you for all you have done for us and our salvation. Amen.
God is good, amen. amen. Praise him. And let's pray as we go. Father, thank you for this time as a family sharing communion this morning. We're in awe of your mercy, your grace, your love. Thank you for the cleansing blood of Christ in our lives. We're so undeserving, but yet your love. And so as we have come in remembrance of all you've done, we go also in remembrance, not taking it lightly, but just cherishing every moment of worship, every moment of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.